0: everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, and I am joined by my colleague, Robert Kowalski, for another episode today. Uh, we were on a brief hiatus because uh, I gave birth to a beautiful baby girl named Brooke on February 1st. So I have been on maternity leave, uh, raising a newborn, which it is a full-time job, I will say that. Um but I have a beautiful girl and I'm happy about uh being back as well. So uh before we begin, uh let me welcome Robert. Robert, how are you been?
1: Just great, Ali. Uh, welcome back and uh welcome Brooke. <laughs> awesome, and, awesome news.
0: Yeah, I actually was uh was in the delivery room during and the NFC and the AFC uh championship game. So I got to watch uh, both of those games, uh, in the bedroom while I was in my hospital bed. So I had a like calm time watching those two games. And then the next day was intensive. So <laughs> glad to be back. Um, but she was born, uh, with plenty of sports around her. Uh, I had her for the Super Bowl, which, uh, you know, we'll touch on briefly since we didn't have, uh, a podcast that episode, but um, did you watch the super? Uh, obviously, you watched the super bowl, but what were your thoughts, real quick, on the super bowl since we didn't get to talk about it?
1: No, exactly. Yeah, we did uh, we did last touch base before we even knew who was going to be in the super bowl. Uh, of course, this game landed four for us. Uh, w- well, it closed four on the spread, and uh, by it landing on three, Ali, I gotta say, it was one of the largest uh, house wins. Uh, because, well, first off, we needed Rams to win and no cover. And then there was a lot wagered on the proposition of, uh, does the game land on three? Uh, and everyone said no. Well, so <laughs> that ended up uh, having an awful lot of tickets tossed. And uh, it ended up becoming you know, quite, the, um, quite the big plus on the, uh, on the casino side for the game.
0: Yeah. And I had I had the Bengals. Um, I, I took the point spread, but I also had them winning outright. You know, they were a team where later in the season, I or in the postseason, I should say, I thought they could go all the way for the Super Bowl. They did. Um, my thoughts real quick on the Super Bowl, I just thought it was kind of like a lackluster Super Bowl. It wasn't one of the more exciting ones. Uh the ending was kind of odd. Like the Rams won and it was just kind of like, oh, the Super Bowl's over. It was. It was a tough loss for Joe Burrow uh, and the team, but I'm sure they'll be back. Um, I, I did think it was going to be under, and it was under. So, uh, yeah, that was a wrap for the NFL football season. Um, obviously, we've had some big news this week around Aaron Rodgers return to the Packers, Russell Wilson going to the Broncos, and Carson Wentz going to the Commanders, or whatever Washington wants to call their team this week. Um <laughs> But uh, enough football, even though I know everyone loves to talk about it. And um, let's dive straight into my favorite time of year, which is March Madness. Um, After football, I am a huge NCAA basketball fan. Um, Tar Heels are my number one team, but I have so many teams I root for. I'm big uh, into the Big East, obviously being from Jersey, all the teams around there. Along with North Carolina, I love the ACC Conference with Duke, Wake Forest, Virginia, Um, SEC. You know, I'm a big Calipari fan, so love rooting for Kentucky. Uh, And then being out here in the West Coast, you know, I've gravitated toward UCLA and USC, Arizona, and all the Pac-12 teams. Um, But as people that listen to our podcast know, I'm a big underdog fan. So when it comes to March Madness and the brackets and even the conference uh, championships that are going on now, I love rooting for the mid-majors. I love rooting for the teams that no one you know, notices, the George Masons, if you want to call it, because they were really the, the first team that like, went to the final four as a double-digit seed that people started to notice. Um, so that's my take. How about you, Robert, uh, with college basketball?
1: With college basketball is uh, similarly, uh, as we're basically uh, miles away from each other and we didn't even know it. Uh, you know, I'm basically uh, all Big East all the time. It's quite different today than it was uh, when I went to St. John's. But uh, I guess that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, can we can we get a run here in the Big East and see if uh, St. John's can actually pull off some major upsets? I'm not quite sure if that's uh, in the books. Haha. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, with the way the lines are today, we're just looking at Villanova, and uh, you know they've won twenty-three of the thirty games that they played this year. So St. John's has got uh, you know quite a bit of a climb to get through, just to get through the quarterfinals, much less to the uh, the finals and win outright. Because obviously, that's what they're going to need to make it into the tournament this year.
0: Yeah, for sure. And for me, you know, this year isn't the Big East best year. Um, they've had a lot better years when you know Butler. Xavier, uh, Creighton, Marquette all were at the top. This year, it seems like they're really one of the not as deep conferences when you compare them to the SEC or especially the Big Ten, uh, even the Big 12. So for me, uh, for the you know, we'll get into conference by conference in a second. But actually, let's start there. Let's start with the Big East. Um, You know, you have Providence and you have Nova. Those are your two shoe-ins for the Big East. I think on the bubble, you still have Creighton there. I think Xavier's there as well. Um, You mentioned St. John's, but I don't know. For me, the Big East, I'm just not putting a lot of stock into this year. I think, you know, Villanova, they have the experience. They won a few years ago. You know, Jay Wright's a great coach, but the Big East is a conference, I'm just I'm just not looking for a deep run for any team, especially even Villanova and Providence, the top two. Um, what are you looking at, Robert?
1: No, no, yeah, you're absolutely right, Ali. In, in the Big East, you know, we, we can take a look at Villanova. And what I'm looking for, by the way, just as a, a preface to this, as we break down each conference and, you know, who's going to make the most noise come bracket time, uh, I, I just look for how madly inefficient it, it, a, a school is coming and bringing what they've uh, put together from non-conference into conference and now into, uh, you know, championship week. So, you know, Nova, I think that they're probably, you know, above and beyond the best in the Big East, followed by UConn. And then, uh, well, I guess Providence, I have actually Seton Hall just about as good. But, you know, what does that really mean come, uh, you know, come Sunday? I'm, I'm not sure if Seton Hall is going to be there. Actually, I don't even know if Providence is going to be there. You know, they, they do go to the line as often as an SEC team, uh, you know, but, you know, the, the fouls were the infrequency of an ACC member. So I just don't think that, that the free throw rate's going to assist them in any way, uh, you know, this coming championship week. But honestly, outside of Villanova, I, I don't think that there's going to be really much more coming out of the Big East. Uh, UConn, like, again, I think UConn and Providence might make it, uh, but I just don't see them really advancing any far at all other than, you know, like I said, Villanova.
0: Yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the ACC and let's, let's talk about that conference next. Obviously I got to see a great game the, over the weekend when, um, UNC spoiled coach K's final home game at Duke. Um, and that might have been enough actually to put my Tar Heels in the bubble. I mean, off the bubble and into the tournament. Cause, They really didn't have a a spectacular year that the old Tar Heels of past have had. Um, But the ACC is another conference that I just feel like isn't that strong this year. You know, you have Duke and Duke has some, you know, NBA type players that really um, can make a difference in the tournament if they all get hot. But one thing that I noticed in the Duke-UNC game over the weekend is that Duke really didn't force a lot of turnovers. And one thing that has always impressed me about both Duke and UNC is both these teams, they win in the transition game. And when you can't cause turnovers, you know, there is no transition. Um, so that's what, what when I look at a Duke this year and see if they could really go the distance for Coach K this year, Again, I don't see it happening because, you know, I think there's a too much of an inconsistency if they get uh, if they square off against a good offensive team that they're not going to be able to cause turnovers. And that's really going to affect um, one of their advantages that they have over the, over other teams. What do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're correct. Uh, Ali, you know, outside of Duke, I'll probably have UNC. Virginia Tech and you know what let's just go ahead and forget about Wake Forest they absolutely collapsed yesterday so
0: oh, I, know um, that. I, I am
1: way out on on Wake Forest and I know they just went you know 23 and eight you know 23 and nine now uh, for the for the season I just don't think that they' are gonna have well we could probably talk a little bit about bubbles later but I, I don't think Wake Forest should even be in the discussion of even getting in uh, Duke well you know I mean if you just take a look at the latest they just actually had, a bit of a, a bit of a fight with Syracuse. Yeah, I was watching and, that. <laughs> I don't understand, like, what happened if they were just sleepwalking for the first, you know, seventy-five percent of the game and then just turned it on. Uh, but you know, Syracuse did what they, you know, did to hold it tight, and then Duke just pulled away. So I still think that Duke is going to be among the finals uh, that are going to be remaining, definitely elite eight material, in, in my opinion. I just think that today was a massive aberration of what we saw against Syracuse, and you'll see them, without a doubt, go ahead and just clean up and you know take the ACC, uh, you know, as we get towards the final. I think North Carolina will make it in, along with Virginia Tech. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to probably have enough of an efficient offense to make it even further than the Sweet 16, though, Allie.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And yeah, I was watching, like I said, that Syracuse and Duke game, and I don't know what it is about Syracuse, just with what Bayheim does with his team, but they just seem to show up at the end of the year when no one expects them to. And they go on these, you know, deep conference runs as like a high seed. Um, <laughs> so the fact that they took Duke down to the wire in um, the ACC tournament today did not surprise me. We're gonna talk later, but that's usually one of my favorite bets is when I, I like to take you know one of the one of the seeds that no one's really talking about and bet the first half spread against a better team because I feel like the better teams don't always show up at least the first weekend to play these teams that they think are under them. But that's always one of my favorite my favorite uh, bets to make uh, that first and that first and second game of the of the tournament weekend. Um, but yeah, moving on. Cause I want to, I know we have a lot to cover in the, in the hour. Uh, let's talk about what conference I'm most excited to watch in the tournament this year. And that's the sec. Um, I mentioned how much I love Kentucky earlier, but I think they're just so deep with Auburn. You know, they've, you, everyone knows Auburn success in the tournament, the past few seasons, Tennessee. I don't, you know, they just been winning and winning and winning and winning against good teams. Um, and then you have Arkansas already that's only lost twice in the past two months. So, and their defense is spectacular too. And that's one thing about the sec is all their teams really have good defenses. And I am one, when it comes to the tournament, I'm all for having a better defense and offense. you saw Texas tech do that a few years ago when they made the, the, the finals. Um, but what are your thoughts on the sec?
1: super, super deep conference, uh, when, when it comes towards championships time, without a doubt, you mentioned Kentucky, of course, Auburn, Tennessee, uh, LSU is about to tip off, you know, here we are, you know, kind of doing a, a, a live broadcast, but LSU is about to tip off. Heck, even Arkansas and Alabama, I mean, Alabama, not so much anymore. I just think that, uh, Nate Oates, he's, he's really worked miracles with the program. Maybe he's overachieved in this particular season, uh, but I just think that this is one of the deepest conferences uh, that we'll see in this entire tournament. Uh, Everyone can, you know, look at Kentucky and see what they've done and and their body of work has been absolutely incredible this year Uh, with the way that they've been playing. They've really massively, massively efficient. And I think that this is, you know, brackets and seating is going to make a difference as far as where they end up in uh, you know, what part, of the country and we'll touch on that as well (laughs) we'll take a look and see uh how they'll probably unfold but i could definitely see them as as a number one seed uh moving forward auburn on the other hand also wickedly efficient with the ball i just don't know if they are going to be a number one uh i know that they were number one in the country for three weeks in the ap poll but i just think that there's something missing there and uh we could kind of look at that towards the very end as we start to decipher who we think is going to be in our final four. Uh, but without a doubt, Ali, uh, one of the top conferences in the entire country—you uh, know, Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee—you uh, know, followed by LSU and Arkansas—are the ones that I'm thinking of going to be, you know, very, very strong this coming week.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to spoil anything too with you know before the Braggs come out with what I think is going to be a final four. Um, or potential Final Four qualifiers, but yeah, let's finish uh, looking at these big conferences. Um, and as as much as we talk about how deep the SEC is, one conference that's going to be deep with how many teams get in um, is the Big Ten. Now they might have the most amount of teams entering the tournament that's going to get picked on Selection Sunday. Um, and I love the Big Ten. You know, I've always Tom Izzo is another one of my favorite coaches. I love watching the Spartans. Um, even Michigan, even though they're you know Jawan Howard, we all we all know that story. We don't have to touch on. Um, but there's something about the Big Ten that I say it every year when it comes to filling out the brackets, and I'm like, it's the most overrated conference. You know, these are good teams, not necessarily great teams that just beat up on each other all season. Um, they look impressive, but then when it comes time to the big dance, they just they they don't go that far. Wisconsin's another team I feel like every year, especially when you had the Frank Kaminsky years, that would just get so much hype, and then they'd get blasted out of the tournament early. Um, Purdue's another team that they're always talked about. They're always hyped. They're always an early exit. Um, so what are your thoughts on the Big Ten?
1: Okay, first off, uh, Ali, I wish we had some imaging, uh, like a sound <laughs> effect where we ring a bell, because, I, and, I'm, and for the listeners, I swear Ali's not, sitting in my office right now <laughs> he's not reading my legal pad and all of my notes i'm telling you this is the truth uh the big Ten, listen to us <laughs> <laughs> yep they are such it's just frauds they're they're not oh yeah they're not gonna make any noise at all i mean look no. michigan just absolutely collapsed there's just so much that they could have done to close out indiana and indiana beat them and they beat purdue and they beat all these mm-hmm. other uh, you know, yep. huge, uh, you know, teams with huge aspirations to win this championship. So even though they've got a ton in the pool, yeah, there's no real quality Ali, I, you know, Purdue, Iowa, Illinois, to me, it's all the same, you know, followed, you know, with a real steep drop off with Ohio state, Michigan, uh, and then Wisconsin. And then, you know, way, way back in the, the very end, maybe some Michigan state, but now I don't know. We could take a look at it. if you wanted to tell me, hey, I'm interested in betting Indiana to win this whole entire thing. Uh, I tell you, I'd give you 300 to one and uh, I'm not going to go ahead and <laughs> tell you that that's that's a bad bet. Anyone that wants to take a triple digit odds on a, on a team this late, that's great. Uh, but I just don't think Big Ten is going to be anywhere near the championship.
0: No, and I see it every year when when people are filling out their brackets and they they put all these long runs in for these teams. And I'm like, listen, you know, the strength of schedule means something, you know, when you look at their rankings and everything. And in just, you know, they're just overrated like that. There's nothing else to say about it. I don't know what it is with the committee and, you know, the top 25 and AP polls that always just put them all in the top 25 every single week. But it just gets frustrating after a while because then we see, you know, first weekend it's like, oh, they have 10 big 10 teams in the in the tournament. And what maybe two of them survive opening weekend. So, you know, it it gets to a point where they're just you just have to write them off. But um, another conference that usually I feel like is kind of like the Big Ten Uh, Is the big 12. Um, You know, we've seen Kansas for years always have that they as they say, that team that's going to go all the way and then you see them losing the sweet 16. Baylor's another team. They're always great on offense. And then they get knocked down the second round. Um, And, you know, as great as Baylor and Kansas have been this year and both of them might end up at well, Baylor definitely will be a number one seed, but Kansas might get in there as the final number one seed. Um, but Kansas is a team that, especially the last few games, they've been struggling and I don't even think they're as good as their past seasons. Same with Baylor. I think Baylor's uh, team, the last few seasons have been better than this team this year. Um, and they're just, you know, I know we're just really besides the SEC so far, we're just kind of banging on these conferences, but they're another conference. I'm just not totally hyped about this season. So what do you think?
1: No, no, yeah, no reason to get any any real excitement, you know, no need to you know cheer on too heavily with the big 12 because you know, we, we kind of bandied about, you know, of course, Baylor, Kansas, yes. Texas Tech, I think is pretty much as efficient, you know, and I keep throwing that word around because that's mm-hmm. really how I, uh, you know, rank all my college schools. I wanted to go ahead and just, you know, break down and see what kind of factors I use. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm always looking at, uh, several things in, in my own personal black book. It's you know what their field goal percentage looks like, how well they control the ball, ball security with turnovers. Uh, are they good at offensive rebounding? And then of course your free throw rate. You know, and that's not only how well you shoot free throws, but your ability to get to the free throw line. And so some of the things that jumped out for me this year is actually with Baylor. Um, I'm not going to go ahead and uh, you know declare them the champs, but they're without a doubt a number one seed. I think that they are above and beyond the best in the big 12. I think that Kansas comes in really close, but I just don't think that they have uh, really as good a rate as Baylor does in, in getting to themselves to the line and protecting the rim at the same time. Texas Tech, so again, if, if I had you know, Kansas and Texas Tech, to me, that's a pick'. Em. Uh, Texas, well, we don't have to discuss them anymore because well you know. Nope. They, they completely blew it this morning uh, and, and lost to TCU. Then way, way, way in the back, you know, I, I thought about Oklahoma and Iowa State. But honestly, if, if it's not, uh, you know, Kansas or Texas Tech, it's without a doubt, it's Baylor, really no one else for me in the Big 12 is going to make any noise.
0: Yeah. And so we don't like think uh, the listeners don't think we're just bashing pretty much every conference um, to go right with the SEC. And this is the last big conference we'll talk about before we get into some of our other um topics but you know i'm not just being biased because i'm out here on the west coast but being out here on the west coast you do get to watch a lot of a lot of games that are on you know 7 p.m our time 10 p.m uh, east coast time but the pac 12 has really impressed me toward the top this year um arizona i think that's a team that really can make a deep run this year ucla you know they always seem to make a deep run and i think they're just as capable of doing that this year. Um, USC really hasn't had the best, uh, you know, final stretch of the season. They just got blown out by Arizona actually last weekend. Um, But the Pac-12 are teams that I think can make some noise. And one of the things I've always noticed, and this is back, you know, when I lived on the East Coast uh, a decade ago, but being on the East Coast, you know, you don't pay attention to these west coast teams so when it comes to filling out your bracket you kind of overlook the arizona's the ucla's the usc's the oregon the oregon states um so the pac-12 is a conference i'm really looking at for the tournament and i think that they have teams that can make that deep run uh what
1: are your thoughts no i mean ali come on you know when we were back east uh sometimes <laughs> we were even in bed before the pac-12 schedule Very started <laughs> so we don't know what you know what these schools were up to and how good they actually were However, this year, without a doubt, you know, Arizona, I I have as uh, one of the top, top choices for me, you know, to win the championship this year. As a matter of fact, I have them uh, deeply embroiled into the final four. They're they're just that, that good this year. UCLA, they're, they're really excellent. They put together an incredible body of work this year going 23 and six. I just don't know if they, look, I don't want to completely categorically, you know, dismiss them from the national title. Uh, you know, it's just that I think that because they're so tough on both sides of the ball, it just, you know, how are they swept by Oregon? (laughs) I I don't understand that. That's one of the head
0: scratchers.
1: Yeah, that's really it. You know, so I think just for for me, as I looked at a little bit deeper, it's just, you know, just don't, just don't turn the ball over. And I think that that's probably where the, the problem lies with the USC i S I'm sorry, UCLA. Uh, the Trojans, UC, USC, on the other hand, I just don't know if anyone's really drawn you know, less benefit from outstanding interior defense than USC. Yeah, they're great there. But the problem is, is that everyone's taken threes. And when you play the Trojans, they are averaging almost 40% make rate of their threes against the Trojans. So that's where I think that they're going to have a real big problem. Because if they can go ahead and encounter someone that's really good, you know, from beyond the arc, which, you know, in in this day, who isn't, you know, that's, that's how they're going to lose. They're going to end up losing because they gave up way too many threes. And that's the problem with the USC's program this year.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And that's a good way to segue into our next topic. And we're just going to break down. um, I love selection Sunday. You know, I always am right in front of the TV. Uh, I love seeing where everyone's seated um that's kind of how I start I have a notebook always I sit in front of the tv I have my notebook and the minute you know they announce the brackets I already picked the 12 the number 12 seed I like to beat the five the best I already picked the 13 seed I like I already pick you know who I like in the first in the first four games um and that's before I listen to any of the quote-unquote expert advice which I honestly don't listen to the expert advice because when it comes to tournament time no one's an expert. It's just, you know, luck of the draw, luck who you pick. If you like the team name or whatever, you know, sometimes you'll have a better bracket than anyone else, but um, I love selection Sunday. So going into it, who do you like um, as the number one seeds? Who are your top four right now? My top four without,
1: you know, even looking at the live box scores from just today uh, it's Gonzaga, Arizona, Kentucky. And then Baylor, it has to be Baylor. I mean, unless they lose in the final to Kansas or Texas tech, but even that, I just think that they're just far, far superior. And so those are going to be my number one seeds.
0: I'm totally in agreement with you. And I know a lot of people are that it's always that final number one seed that gets tossed in the air. And I know some people are giving that right now, the edge to Kansas. Some people are giving it to, you know, some other teams, but for me, I'm right with you. I got Gonzalez, Baylor, Arizona, and Kentucky. I think Kentucky edges Auburn out. Um, like I said, I don't think Kansas has been playing that well down the stretch, so I think Kentucky edges them out too. And I just like splitting up the number one seeds uh, for conferences. Like if you have Baylor and Kansas in there, we already talked about how we don't think the Big 12's, you know, as good as some other conferences depth-wise. Um, so I think you need to have – all four number one seeds have to be from different conferences. What do you think? Oh, no doubt.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I just think that this time in this era, you can't, I I wouldn't be able to justify if, if I had a vote in, in deciding who's the number one seed. There's so much talent around the country from all different conferences. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. It's unlike college football where you could say, okay, well, it's one SEC team against another, not, not in college basketball. I just think that there's so much talent that you really do have to have a better representation. And honestly, it's not even that. I don't want to even show a bias against a conference. I just think that honestly, this is how I have it playing out.
0: Yep. Totally agree. And then on the other end, you know, we know the number one seeds who are likely to get it, but what about, I I know we mentioned uh, you talked about Wake Forest before and everything, What about the bubble teams? Who do you think so far, you know, we still have a ways to go a few more days with the conference tournaments, but who do you think, you know, made a name for themselves? That was a bubble team that should be in now. Who do you think like Wake Forest probably blew it? Um, What are some teams you like?
1: Well, yeah, I I first take a look at, you know, who's out. And then this is just (laughs) off of the last 48 hours. Wake Forest, get out of here. Michigan, look, they're probably going to make it in. And they oh, should.
0: they're Michigan. Of course, they're going to make it in. Do they deserve it? No, no. but they're going to make it in. Um,
1: you know, Memphis. I guess they could probably be the last in. Indiana. I, I, I want to see Indiana in. I. I don't care what they've, they've had a lot of nice win. wins this year. They've been just so so good. I. I want to see them as the last in.
0: Got to uh, throw the Hoosiers in. Yeah.
1: Just, just look at what they've done. It's, it's all, and, and not just again, not in the championship, we just all year. So put them in, come on, you know, you could do it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I'm one, you know, as we talk about bubble teams, I just want to point this out real quick because I said I'm an underdog better and I love all these smaller conferences that, you know, the only reason they are in the tournament is because they won their conference schedule And no one's ever heard of the the school. No one's ever heard of them. Um, But, you know, like we were talking about Michigan, like does Michigan belong in there? No, I don't think they belong in there. So I would like to give another school that's on that's in the smaller um, conferences a chance to really show what they can do. You know, we've seen these teams that no one's heard of, like a George Mason, a VCU, make all these deep runs. So. I wish the committee would take into account these lower schools more and not just put in the school with the name recognition. Um, but unfortunately, I think that's what's going to happen. So we'll see. What do you think about that?
1: No, I, I and you know we're, we're just taking a look at some of the others and some of the schools that, you know, I, I know are going to make it in. Well, I think they're going to make it in. Uh, How about North Texas? First off, they're the mean green. So let's, let's get that out of the way. They're the first in conference USA the three pointers galore while working the shot clock, you know, all the way down to the final seconds, top 20 defense in the entire nation. Right. So they, I I forget about making it in. I think they're going to win their first round game, maybe even their second. Oh yeah. Uh, You know, here's another one. How about Loyola Chicago, the Ramblers. Yeah, school wildly efficient. So these just because they're not on TV doesn't mean that they're not really spectacularly good.
0: Right. Yeah, I have Colorado State as another one. That that's yes, there. yes, please. So I mean, these are the teams that you know you look at when the brackets come out, and they might be a 13 seed, they might be a 14 seed, most likely even a 12 seed, and those are ones like I said when I have my my notebook and everything ready on selection Sunday. I don't even think about it. I just put them right in as advancing because, you know, you have a team, you know, think about if you put Michigan in, and they get like some overrated seed, like a six seed. And then you have a Colorado state that gets an 11 seed. You know, that to me is a surefire upset. So um, I like to see more of these small schools. I think those are really your bracket busters opening weekend because they have the sweet 16 potential to get there as as well and i just wish the committee like i said earlier would just take recognition into them more um i think the more diverse the better you know we don't do we really need 10 big 10 teams in the conference no 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 way no No. and it's like you said you know yes we've seen these teams on tv all year and you know it's just it's just recognition it's like when politicians run for office, it's like I'll just vote for who I know. So I'd like to see more diversity. Um, hopefully, the selection committee will take that into account. I'm not optimistic about it, um, but we'll see. So those are our those are my sleepers as well. Um, now, before we move on, um, I mentioned how I love the selection show. My favorite part is just looking at the matchups. Whatever my first uh, gut feeling is, I go off my gut feeling. What do you? What are some things you like about the show?
1: No, without a doubt. I, I just, you know, looking at it from a better's perspective, Ali. I just see what I figure is going to be the point spreads in the first mm-hmm. rounds, Thursdays and Fridays, and then I'm just looking at how you know they're fitted into brackets. And so, just like you said, a six eleven, a, a five twelve. You know, if the point spread is you know, I'll pick them. Or heck, you know, even uh, You know, where the higher seeded team is uh, the favorite. I mean, you know, to me, that just, you know, begs, uh, you know, full push, you know, go ahead and, you know, take a look at that as without a doubt an advantage in filling out a, you know, bracket. So for me, you know, watching that, that's the first thing that I always look at is comparing where schools get bracketed, you know, versus the point spreads that, you know, me and my team put together here.
0: Yeah. And you know, I wanted to ask you, cause I had a, a conversation with a few friends about this um, multiple times over the years, you know, if an 11 seed is facing a six seed and you know, it is a pick them. Is that really an upset? Like how, how do you categorize upset? Do you categorize upset per the seeding or per the, per the Vegas spread? Cause for me, it's whatever the Vegas spread is. So if that 11 seed beats the six seed, I'm like, it really wasn't an upset, but most people who don't look at spreads or like, that's a big upset. That's an 11 seed beating a six seed. What are your thoughts?
1: Wait a second. There's people that don't look at spreads.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You'd be surprised.
1: <laughs> well, so that's, that's the whole entire, you know, wonderful thing about our podcast alley. I think that if you're looking at, you know, what's an upset to me, the upset is, you know, did you cover the spread? Yeah. Or didn't you, <laughs> it's not about the bracket. It's about the spread.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, no, and, and, you know, we're get, you know, actually let's go right sh- straight to this. Now. Um, I wrote a blog. Uh, it's up on zensports.com slash blog. Uh, everyone could read about it. It's my top 10 tips and strategies for creating a bracket, but um, you know, we're talking about this now and I think we need to, I think we could just go straight there, but that's one of my tips is for the first weekend when you're filling out your bracket, if you're not sure to pick that 12 over the five, just go and take a look at what Vegas thinks. And if that 12 versus five, if that's the spread in that game is one and a half, two, even three points, you know, take the upset. To me, that's an upset alert right there. It's just Vegas is telling you it's an upset alert. So how do you look at it?
1: Of course. Absolutely. To me, I match up a a betting sheet with the bracket and and that's how I judge whether a team is going to advance or not. That's, that's the easiest one. And I completely agree. I'm so glad that you led with that, Ali.
0: Yeah. That that's that was number one. I hate to say it when I was in high school and people didn't know betting except <laughs> me. But that's what I would do. I, I would go onto Odd Shark or some other website, you know, that lists all the spreads straight out. And I'd say, okay, you know, this 13 seed against a four, that there's only a four-point spread in that game. Like I think that could be an outright upset. And, you know, everyone just looks at a 13 and over four. And I was like, oh, that four should win easily, you know. And then what do you know? It's an upset. So, you know, I always hate to say Vegas knows, but I'll say it. Vegas knows. Vegas knows. Of course we do. You
1: know, and so, you know, take a look at this. You know, another thing that I look at is, you know, if we want to create a Venn diagram of, of winning your bracket, Uh, You know, obviously the point spreads, you know, kind of, you know, gets you you with a nice early padded lead because of, you know, finding out who's actually uh, uh, a favorite, regardless of where they got put into a bracket. But Ali, you ever think about uh, like the path, uh, the home court path, even though this is all being played on, on neutral courts, Mm -hmm. uh, you ever consider that, you know, where, uh, you know, where a school's been, you know, bracketed in terms of their region.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's one of my other uh, 10 tips is and that's something everyone overlooks. But, you know, you take it, you, you look at the East bracket and if you, you know, we talked about how none of us were, we're not really high in the Villanova's, the Providence or some of the other big East teams. But if, if there's a game being played at Madison Square Garden and you're Rutgers, you're Seton Hall, you know, you're Villanova where that's just a short bus ride away and you have to play a West coast team, like a UCLA or an Oregon or an Arizona, Arizona state. I mean, for me, that's, that's, that's a hundred percent home court advantage. And that's not something you just overlook. That's something that's going to give you that edge, whatever the Vegas spread is. Um, but most people overlook that and I don't understand why.
1: No, no, yeah, absolutely. You, you can't, you can't overlook that. Just put yourselves in, in their shoes in some way or form. Think about traveling across the country. Uh, if, if you haven't, well, th- just think about traveling across the state. When you finally get there after five, six, seven hours, who knows? Maybe you're on a plane. Maybe you're sitting in, in your, your terminal waiting hours. Your flight's delayed. Now you get to the hotel super late. You get maybe five hours of sleep. You wake up and eh, I don't know. Maybe you just not feeling it. And, and now you're not home. And you're, you're looking at it. strangers in a strange land.
0: This all adds up. Yeah. And, and don't forget one of the big, I think one of the things, and this is more true for all college, you know, college football and college basketball, but the fan influence makes a huge difference. If, if you're, if all your fans only have to, you know, get on a train and go to Madison square garden or, you know, somewhere else in on the East Coast, which is a short train ride or short drive away. And 75% of that that uh that arena is full with your fans. It, you know, the, these are college kids, you know, these are 19-year-old kids. That makes a huge difference too.
1: It's absolutely correct. It does.
0: Yeah. And and you know, I think, you know it's not like the pros where you know, the pros will tell you, they just zone everything out when it's a neutral site or when it's a, an opponent site. But when you have these kids playing, you know, don't think that nerves don't get to them when they have to, they have to sink, you know, key free throws in at the end of the game. And if they're dealing with a hostile crowd, you know, they might buckle under pressure. So that's one of the bigger ones for me too. And I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, Another Another tip I have, which is kind of really just relevant in the recent years, is I always pick one of those first four teams to make the Sweet 16. And for our listeners that aren't like totally up to date with that, but a few years ago, you know, you see the two, you see there's four playing games that happen on the Tuesday and Wednesday. I at least always pick one of those winners to not only get their upset on the Thursday or Friday game but I pick them to win the Saturday or Sunday game and get to the sweet 16. And we've seen UCLA do that in recent years. We've seen other teams do it in recent years. So that is one of my suggestions. What do you think about that?
1: That is absolutely never talked about. And that's like ultra sharp. That's like level 1000 sharpness right there. So for the listeners, please do pay attention to Allie on that one. That one's a really, really good tip.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think UCLA has done it at least two times, actually in the past, like three or four years, um, including last year, I think when they made the final four. Correct. And, you know, one of those things that I give the edge to these teams that have the playing game is that, you know, there's no, you know, they come in now on that Thursday and Friday without any rust, they might've got their jitters out of the way Um. And they have the momentum going. So they get they play a team that comes out cold and they get the lead. That to me, you know, that that that'll that might seal the game before halftime. So yeah, ab- that's,
1: absolutely. You Ali, you're completely right. Because they do that, they get themselves a nice little lead. Suddenly they smell blood and now they're up big.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And as we're talking about, you know, these first four teams, which usually they do get a double digit um, seed, but I always pick at least one double digit team to get to the elite. What about you?
1: I could do that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, without it, without looking at what a bracket looks like again, knowing off of the thesis that you're going to have them fresh, uh, you know, without any rust, like you mentioned, I think that without a doubt, it's something you should consider when you're making a bracket, it's just, you're finding for me, I, I like to see teams that are uh, active uh, you know we, if you're sitting like well there's going to be an exception I think we'll talk about that if we talk about who's going to actually win this thing in a little bit
0: <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we <will>.
1: talk <laughs> about we talk about uh rest versus rust I, I do like a team that's you know a, a, as sharp and focused as as possible heck even if you come on a, a back-to-back uh that doesn't uh that doesn't scare me off in any way
0: No, no. And I actually think and, you know, I'll speak from experience because I grew up playing sports and everything for me. And we talked about this kind of with the Super Bowl, too. I think the more rest you have in between games is actually a disadvantage to you, because for me, you know, when you're hot off a good win or if you're, you know, just nice and loose and and fresh, you're going to play so much better than if you took, you know, a week off or five days off. So for me, yeah, that that I think the first four actually have the advantage of over anyone in the tournament, at least in the opening rounds, because they're the ones that will come out. You know, like I said, they don't have the pre game jitters. They don't have the rust. They're ready and they already got a game. They got a win under the belt. So I like them ready to go. And, you know, besides the sweet 16. Yeah, they could come out and they could get to the lead eight. So, but let's, you know what, let's talk about these number one seeds. Cause that's was my number one tip for everyone. And I feel like everyone falls victim to it every year. And I always say your final four should not have four, all four number one seeds should not be in your final four.
1: That's absolutely correct. Uh, I, I, I don't do it. Uh, I don't recommend doing it in any year. Again, as I, you know, mentioned earlier in the show today, uh, It's such a deep, deep field of schools this year, uh, with some really great talent that's all over from you know east to west. So I don't think that you know finding all four number one seeds in your final four is is going to happen in any way this year.
0: No, and I don't think it's happened actually since two thousand and eight. Let me look at my blog. Yeah. 2008 was the last year that all, and was the only year I think that all four number one seeds made the final four. And to be honest, I don't even usually put three. I think, you know, I'm an underdog person. I think maybe I'll put one, two tops number one seed in my final four, but I don't put any more than two. I don't put three and I definitely don't put four. So, and you know, to go off of that, one thing I never do is I never pick last season's champion to repeat. What do you say to that? No,
1: no, no, no. Yeah. You can't do that. Uh, I mean, you you might find, you know, these schools, you know, reloading, but you know, the reason that they got to the championship and won the thing is because of the talent that's there. Uh, Very good chance that some of those star players are now gone and, you know, playing either in the NBA or overseas. So it's it's just, don't do it. No, don't do it. it,
0: It's just hard to do. And I think the last team that did it was Florida back in a 06 and 07. And that was the Noah, the Al Horford team, but most of those starters came back. And like you said, so many of these elite teams are now full of players that are one and done. So I don't trust that. And while we're talking about number one seeds, I actually always pick at least no one number one seed to not reach the Sweet 16 and get knocked out opening weekend. What do you think?
1: Yes, please. Sign me up to that as well. Again, just plethora of depth. So many great schools. Do your homework. Find some schools that, you know, forget about them just being a sleeper. Just take a look at how greatly efficient they had a year. Right now, I think that very easily, if I just look at how I break down this year's this year's crop, I've got. Well, hmm, there's one school, and then there's one, two, three, you got about 11 other schools that could I, I could see easily making it to the final. So, if I have 11 schools making it to the final, uh, you know, without a doubt, th- there's that many more opportunities for, for a number one to get knocked out even before the Sweet 16. So, Ali, I'm, I'm with you on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, oh, and you know, it's sad. It's usually Gonzaga or Kansas that ends up not getting knocked out and they destroy everyone's brackets that have them in either the finals or winning it all. Um, so what, what I do is I look at all four number one seeds and I am making a mental note in my head who I think is the weakest. And then I look at what their potential, you know, second round matchups will be. And if I like the underdog, I go straight for the upset. And, you know, I don't look back. So that's another one of my big suggestions. And then before we move on to um, another thing, another um, topic and everything. Last thing I want to say is this is my favorite pick. Um, when I look at the brackets, I alluded to it before, but I love the 12 versus five matchup. Love, love, love the 12 versus five matchup. And I'll take minimum two number 12s always to win opening weekend um what about
1: you yeah, from a betting perspective you know forget about filling out brackets it just if you look at 12 and fives uh well obviously point spreads normalize everything but if you know that you're going to have a 12 over a five just play them on the money line uh, yeah. and, and play them all on the money line as a matter of fact because ali if like you said if two of those four actually do end up advancing you're you're a big plus on that particular uh, you know proposition so to say if you're just looking at how many 12s beat a 5 if you go 2 out of 4 uh, that that's that's you know a plus on your on the return
0: yeah and i looked up i looked it up when i was writing my blog and these 12 versus 5 seeds the number 12 seeds have a 35% winning percentage over the years like that that's that's not something to take lightly when you think of how big of a discrepancy these two teams should be in talent um so usually you know you get a five that ends up being overrated you know you might get like a michigan this year as a number five not saying that's smart but then you get a 12 seed like say you know maybe a colorado state or loyola like that like i said we were saying earlier that to me is like a surefire upset um so i i love that matchup and i recommend all our listeners you know to take a look at the 12 versus fives. If you guys want an upset, you know, take at least one. I think it, I think at least every year, there's at least one 12 beating a five. So that's something to definitely look at. Um, well, moving on, cause I know we could talk about our tips and strategies all day. Um, but I'll go to you first about this. Um, and it kind of, it kind of goes off our tips and strategies, but what is the one thing you will warn, um, New bettors, not necessarily filling out brackets, but bettors, Robert, about betting uh, March Madness opening weekend?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, deep. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, not, not quite. Look, it, it kind of goes towards what I would recommend to anybody uh, betting any sport. Uh, well, find who you like, you know, and, and if you figure that they're going to win, play them on the money line you know, don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't worry about the points. And, uh, you know, for certain, if you find yourself, you know, circling an awful lot of selections, don't parlay them together, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know everyone loves to see a nice big payout and it, it's, you know, the, the nouveau thing to see on, you know, on social media, all these giant 10, 12 and 16 teamers getting hit. Uh, but if you're, if you like the underdogs, like we do, then just play them straight and play them on the money line. You'll end up finding yourselves, uh, you know, handicapping it the right way, uh, regardless of where they are seated uh, and and go ahead and just, you know, put in what, you know, you feel is a a good investment that's safe. And then, you know, play with, play, play them on the money line. You don't have to go ahead and, and be too concerned about going any further than that. Once that starts to, you know, to build out, you're finding yourself saying to yourself, Hey, if I found, that this team is better than the point spread and they're good enough for me to bet them on the money line and me cashing. Well, then all of a sudden you're getting that much sharper. Uh, You know, I love finding people who handicap games and, and, you know, think that the point spread is incorrect. And when they play them on the money line uh, as an underdog, you know, I I tend to start to say to myself, well, maybe I made a bad number myself.
0: Yeah. I'd say my big, um, piece of advice for new betters. And I made this mistake. Um, I won't disclose how young I was when I first went to Vegas for my March madness, uh, weekend. I don't know. It was probably like 22, actually. It's not, too, that was 10 years ago. <laughs> it wasn't too bad, but, um, you know, I think my thing was, I was overwhelmed with how much you can bet, especially that first day you get, like you said, with the parlays, you get caught up in that excitement And you want to go out and make all these ridiculous five, six team parlays. And, you know, you're like, wow, $20 will win me, you know, a couple grand with this and that. It's so hard just to hit a two team parlay. So my best advice is, you know, don't think, don't feel like, and what you shouldn't bet every single game. You know, the first 16 games, you know, opening day, don't bet all 16 games. Find one or two games you really feel confident in, you really like the spread, you really like the over-under, you really like the money line, and just do a single bet. That That's my biggest thing, and I love parlays as much as the next person, but you, know, you get too overwhelmed, and then that leads to you chasing bets, that leads to you then abandoning all your hope. And just laying money on favorites in the later games, which don't end up happening. So, you know, anyone that's new to betting out there, or this is your first March Madness betting, you know, don't get overwhelmed a few days before the first, the first round of games, take a look at the spreads, take a look at the over unders, take a look at the money lines and really just pick, you know, one, two, three games that you're fully confident in and bet. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Please, uh, you know, I, to get overwhelmed and, and bet every single game, that's just lead just a path to sadness. Now, if you want to go ahead and have a few tickets on a, on a couple of teams, well, then why not bet a future pool? You know, this way you'll have a couple of tickets and then hopefully you, you pair them up and you get a ticket that's got you know, 12 to 1 to win the championship, maybe 18 to 1. Who knows? Maybe you got a ticket with a team that's 80 to 1. Uh, and now you've got a bunch of tickets that give you far, far higher, you know, you know, uh, closing line value than if you were to just be betting them uh, incrementally throughout the tournament. Uh, and there's really, you know, you end up finding yourself having more fun because you already have locked in odds on a team that, you know, has advanced into the sweet 16 than the elite eight. Now you've got a team in the final four at a nice big price. Maybe that's the angle you should pursue betting futures.
0: Yeah, and that's perfect segue into our last topic we're going to talk about before we run out of time, but um, futures. So this is one of the few times I will bet futures. I always pick at least um, two teams I like once the selection show is done, and I'll go and place the future bet to win the tournament. Um, but right now, who are you seeing? A, gets has the best value team-wise, which you can see, um, you know, making a long run. And what are some of the early favorites uh, that bettors are betting right now?
1: I have uh, a really large liability on Arizona, Illinois, okay. and Texas Tech. Uh, that being said, Arizona is six to one right now. So really not much future value there, even though they have you know, a very good path. Um, Illinois uh, right now, 25 to one and Texas Tech is 38 to one, Uh, but I think when you take a look at, you know, the schools that I figure will probably be, you know, right there in the mix, uh, you know, some of the, you know, good value that you might find right now, LSU is still 80 to one, Uh, Villanova 22 to one, Uh, who else here?
0: That's not bad for Villanova.
1: Not bad, no, it's, it's actually, you know, I, I think it's, it's actually, you know, a little bit you know, better than the, than the actual market prices. I think it should probably be closer to like maybe 16 or even 18 tops. Yeah, no. uh, okay, we've waited all this time. <laughs> Gonzaga. Uh,
0: you know how many times Gonzaga's burnt me over the years? Okay. Um,
1: Allie, Allie, this is it. This is the year. I'm telling you, I've, I've seen them like, like, we, like we all have, but this is it. There is not one team close to Gonzaga in terms of my power ranking and how efficient they are. Every single mark that they hit is tops from their offensive production to how well they play defense. Yes, I get it. They're a WCC team. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Here's a proposition for you. I take Gonzaga. You get everyone else in the country at minus uh, minus four fifty. So, what does that mean? You're you're wagering four dollars and fifty cents to win a dollar, getting right. five fifty.
0: Yeah, you're
1: taking, you take, know, you taking the nation.
0: I would take the nation. I you know what? I feel like I fall into this trap every year, <laughs> and it's this is Gonzaga's year. And my my dad's actually a huge Gonzaga fan. You know, he's a big John Stockton guy. And he makes the same mistake every year picking Gonzaga to get either the final four or win it all. And I do the same thing every year. I put Gonzaga to get far. And then I go next year. I'm not picking them after they get upset in the lead eight that year. And this year I'm not doing it. I'm not falling into that trap. So no, I will take the field at minus You're going to do it. Allie, I care about you. I um, I, I just, you know what it's there's, they've had so many Gonzaga has had so many great teams over the years where you're like, they're the most complete team. They're the deepest team. You know, their offensive efficiency is ridiculously good. And then they lose in the elite eight or the sweet 16. And I'm like, of course, I fell into the Gonzaga trap again. And I love Mark few. Like I think he's a great coach. Um, I it just, that's the beauty of this tournament is it doesn't matter if you've been the best team all year, that doesn't guarantee you winning. And that's what I love so much about college basketball that you don't see in the NBA. You see these passionate kids that are playing, you know, the last games of their careers and they put everything on the line. You know, I hate to knock a team like Gonzaga or even like Kentucky or a Baylor, but it's like when, when these squads have have kids on their uh, rosters where they're just going straight to the NBA after their freshman year, I just don't think they say they play the tournament with the same passion as some of these lower teams that, you know, a stock full of seniors and juniors that literally have nothing to play for except the love of the game. So that's another reason why, you know, I'm not as high as on the number one seeds. But um, this has been great. And, you know, we're already over the hour, so I don't want to take up too much of the listeners time. But uh, before we go, uh, quick preview of next week. I think if you're, if you're available, Robert, we'll have a, we'll do this podcast earlier in the week. Uh, once the brackets come out, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday to get everyone ready for their bets on Thursdays and Fridays. Um, but before we get uh, we, before we end the show, we've been talking about it all episode, but who are you leaning towards for your final four?
1: Uh. Can I just say Gonzaga four times?
0: (laughs) No? You Uh, can.
1: (laughs) Okay, final four. Gonzaga, Arizona. Oh, okay. Gonzaga, Arizona, Villanova, and Houston.
0: Interesting. Now, Houston's interesting because they've had teams in recent years where – They're just so good, but, again, they fall short. I've seen them as, like, a number three seed fall short. I've seen them as a number two seed fall short. Um, I'll admit I haven't watched them a lot this season or done my research on them, but that's an interesting pick.
1: I said them Um, only because I can't say the words D-U-K-E.
0: Ah. (laughs) Yours. Got it. Well, I wouldn't put Duke in there anyway. I mean, not being a UNC bias, but I just (laughs) – I I don't know. I I just don't think that Duke has it to get to the final four. I don't even remember last time Coach K was in the final four, to be honest. Uh, But they're just like a team that seems to fall short. Again, the years that you think they're going to get there, the Grayson Allen years, the J.J. Reddick years, it just, I don't know. They just fall short. But, yeah, I don't want to hold up the listeners too much. So I will give my final four um, and who I think is going to win it all. I know you like Gonzaga, but I love Kentucky. Kentucky is a team that I've been watching a lot more recently. And I just think, you know, I'll go off the experience with Calipari. I really like their team. They have the, that Davidson transfer, his name's uh, not ringing a bell off the top of my head right now, but he's been shooting um, amazingly and Kentucky's my pick to w- win it all. Um, obviously that could change when I look at the bracket and I'll, torture myself every day next week (laughs) trying to seeing if I need to make any changes. Um, but definitely Kentucky. Um, I agree with you. I think Arizona is a final four team. Um, I like your pick on Nova, even though we were kind of bashing it. Cause like I said, experience does make a difference. Um, but for me, I'm going to go with Tennessee. I think, like I said, I love the sec. I think Tennessee makes a nice deep run in there. Um, And then I'm going to go with UCLA. I'm going to do SEC and Pac-12 heavy. So those are my picks. And we will see who's wrong and who's right next week.
1: (laughs) I will will tell you right now, I will be very, very loud wrong, actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, Robert, this has been fun as always. Uh, I'm happy to be back. I'm glad. I'm sure you and I could talk all afternoon about this. but, yeah, to our listeners, we will be back with another episode probably Tuesday, if not Wednesday next week. We want to get you guys all ready uh, for your bets for the opening weekend, opening round of games. And, you know, this is a fun time of year. Make sure you guys watch all the conference championships this year, this uh, weekend. Really get you a feel for how the teams are entering uh, the final week of play. And uh, we will see you next week. Thank you so much, Robert, for joining.
1: So grateful to have you back, Allie. Thanks so much.
0: All right, take care.